The best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from a grocery store. You'll only get it from the family farm and independent Alaskan fishermen when you join the Moink movement today. Moink is a meat subscription box company delivered straight to your door, and they're on a mission to fight for the family farm. Located in rural America and run by an eighth-generation farmer, Moink animals are raised humanely, and the quality of their product is better than anything you're going to find in the supermarket. And unlike the supermarket, Moink gives you total control over the quality and source of your food. You choose the meat delivered in every box from options like grass-fed and grass-finished ribeyes, pastured pork chops and chicken breast, wild-caught Alaskan salmon fillets, and so much more. Plus, you can cancel anytime. Moink is helping save rural America. I love it, and you will too. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, and Ring Doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. You too can join the Moink movement and keep the American farm going. Sign up at moinkbox.com slash Dana today. And listeners of this show get free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but it's for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Dana. That's moinkbox.com slash Dana. If we spend $50 trillion or however much it takes to make the United States carbon neutral by 2050, how much will it lower world temperatures? Senator, that depends on the rest of the world. We have to work with the rest of the world. We're in this together. Well, it's what, one world. If, we can't build a wall around if, the United what States if, and say... What if, what if we spend $50 trillion, Europe cooperates. Most Western democracies cooperate, but India and China don't. How much will our $50 trillion lower world temperature? We're in this together, Senator. We have to get the world to work together. How much? I I get that. Okay. How much will lower world temperatures? If China and India do not help. Yes. I don't know. There's no answer. Because it's all stupid. Welcome to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Because there's it's just throwing money at the sun, as I've said before. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday. This is a weird news day, too, by the way. We're going to jump into a whole bunch of stuff. But it's you can listen from sea to shining sea. And as always, enjoy your company as we get your afternoon started. Okay, so first up, the that was Senator Kennedy, who was quizzing. Yet another individual testifying before the Senate. They were talking about climate. They've been hitting a number of things. I'm waiting for the testimony upcoming about the train derailment. I cannot wait for that to happen because I think it deserves to happen. And I think that you need to have Secretary Mayor Poot up there talking about all of this too. It This is all. They people deserve answers. The more I hear about this. And the more that you hear the people who live there, the residents talk, who boy, I'm telling you what. In fact, I wanted to share this with you. This is audio soundbite six. This is a business owner in East Palestine, Ohio, because a lot of people were asking, well, who's doing the cleanup? Who's doing the testing? How is this? How are people going to pay for this? How is this going to all happen? 
I want you to listen to what this business owner says they were asked to do when the agencies, all the alphabet agencies showed up to test the air and soil. Listen to this. Sure. So what I can tell you is that um, we would like to have independent testing done. And um, uh, the, the people at Norfolk had suggested that they were going to offer services by an independent testing company to do uh, air and water testing for us. Um, when these people came to our property, uh, the company was called CTEH. Uh, I call it CTEC. And um, they had approached our property, came to our, our driveway and said, you know, we're here to test the water and soil. And I said, okay, so you guys are independent from Norfolk. And they said, well, not exactly. So then they handed us a contract. Um, the contract stated that essentially uh, Norfolk or any of its affiliates, you know, were going to be, uh, you know, encroaching on the property. They were going to be doing the testing um, and that it was essentially a hold harmless agreement. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but what I can tell you is that uh, I did not want to risk um, anything for my future, the future of the business, uh, by signing this contract. Uh, EPA was also there, um, and we had asked, uh, Chris specifically had asked EPA if they could come in by themselves or without signing of any agreements, and they denied that. Wow, that's pretty unbelievable. Without signing any of these agreements, they wanted them to sign this waiver. That is stunning. They wanted them to sign a waiver promising not to take legal action against the agencies monitoring air near her property where she lives. That is pretty unbelievable. That's what they've been dealing with this entire time. I mean, they, they, had, so they had a town hall yesterday. And they had uh, the company Norfolk Rail. Uh, they didn't show up. They didn't show up because apparently they said that they were concerned. They didn't send a single representative, not a single representative. And they said it's because they were concerned about their staff safety. Uh, I've got some questions. They were concerned about their, I mean, gee, it's like, you know, they can't figure out why people could possibly be angry. Oh my gosh. They, it's like they couldn't at all figure out. Why people could be angry. I mean, this is wild. So they, and this was according to, and sorry, I'm pulling this up. This is uh, one of their local news, their local news stations out there saying that Norfolk Southern said it's not going to be in attendance at the town hall because they are, quote, increasingly concerned about the growing physical threat to their employees. Oh, my gosh. And as I said, it's almost like they just don't even understand why people could be possibly be angry at them. I, it's just pretty, that's just, wow, what a horrible tone-deaf reaction. Horrible tone-deaf reaction. I mean, I wonder why people are angry at them. So they didn't attend it. They didn't attend it. They didn't send a single representative. In the meantime, people have so many questions because they don't, they're, they're, the company's been having these hold harmless. They've been offering these hold harmless, hold harmless payments, according to some of the local reports. They had thousands of people at this town hall because it's just more, too, than just the one mile radius. You're also dealing with uh, a lot of this stuff. It, I mean, what like East the, the Ohio River and there's like a I mean, a, a massive area that's affected not just right by where this derailment took place. I mean, it's kind of it's really stunning. 
it's stunning. I mean, one of the questions that were asked, because the, in the, it was just packed, it was the East Palestine High School. And the first question that had been asked was, why are people outside of a one-mile radius from East Palestine getting no support? And the answer given was, quote, that because that's what the Department of Transportation told us to do. It is a disaster. It is a disaster. And all of these people have been saying that their creeks smell, that there's a chemical smell, that there's dead fish everywhere, there's dead lizards, snakes, everything, anything by their creeks, all dead. It is unbelievable. Now, in the meantime, there's this video, I'm pulling this up, showing flames from a faulty, they called it bearing, a faulty bearing that was emitting sparks 20 miles before the train actually derailed. And there was a new video that showed the train that derailed earlier this month. Uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was apparently this had some issues. The footage that they had, particularly with this, was taken 20 miles from where the train derailed in East Palestine. And people are now, they have even more questions because it shows flames and sparks under one of the 140 cars. It passed through an equipment plant in Salem, Ohio, about 20 miles from where the derailment occurred. And the, they said that the videos they obtained, according to the National Transportation Safety Board, they said that show preliminary indications of a mechanical issue on one of the rail car axles. And they shows the train passing over a hot box detector, which is a safety mechanism on the tracks that monitors the heats of the car and alerts people to a problem. And that was about 8.12 p.m. The train would have taken about a mile to stop. They said the crew did receive an alarm from a wayside detector shortly before the derailment, <clears throat> indicating a mechanical issue. And they said then the emergency brake application initiated. So the, and it monitors the condition of the axles too. The transportation board said that the alert came, had, had not said that the alert came from the hot box detector. And as part of their investigation, they were looking at all the routes, etc. cetera. Uh, and according to the Wall Street Journal, one of the president of the, a president of one of the train conductor unions, uh, SMART, said that it was possible that the crew wouldn't have known that there was a problem if the detectors were located too far apart. And so they said apparently the train passed over another detector just outside of East Palestine and but there there were sparks in video that captured the train going past there there were noticeable sparks and flames in the video unbelievable now they said that it was actually and i don't know if this is true or not but they had said that within an 18 year this guy's 18 year career and he was one of the heads and this individual in particular uh, is with, this is, this is one of the, he's an engineer with Norfolk, he's a retired engineer with Norfolk Southern. He had told CBS that he'd only heard of a few instances where these detectors forced to stop. And they said that the message the crew hears from the detectors gives the number of the car that needs to be inspected. He goes, now, if it's not working, you're going to get a message saying that the detector's not working. They have to send somebody out, they have to repair it, etc. But, they said 20 of the more than 100 cars passing through East Palestine were classified as carrying hazardous materials, flammables, combustibles, environmental risks, etc. And I just, there's, there's something that's, that's pretty amazing. So the investigation is continuing. In the meantime, people are wondering, where's, where's Pete Buttigieg? 
This is the guy, I guess he thought he was going to get this position and not actually have to do anything related to this position. I mean, this is when you actually need to, you know, if any, they, he should have, I mean, send him there. This is one of the biggest disasters, ecological disasters. Send him there. Why couldn't you have sent him? Doesn't make any sense. Send him there. In the meantime, he's been blaming the Trump administration. I've seen this, this talking point going around uh, about the... Let me pull this up. There's, there's, there's a couple of accusations on it. So he has gone out, and this is where this, this came from. He was told to say, because he doesn't know anything about rail, and he doesn't know anything about safety. You know that for sure. So he's pushing back against claims that, that they're not helping enough. And he pointed to this rule. He said, oh, the Trump administration repealed an electronic brake rule. And, but even if, let's just go along with the argument that that was accurate. Um, why didn't he bring it back then? He, it's within his power to do so. He could definitely do that. Why then didn't he bring it back? Because he doesn't know anything about his damn job. That's why. If it was that serious, why didn't Buttigieg bring it back? If Let's just go and assume it's true. People were saying that they're, and it's not just like random Republicans. I mean, a number of Democrats are asking this too because his poor job performance is reflecting badly on all Democrats. And so they're all kind of freaking out about it. And it is a poor job performance. I explained to you before how nine months into his job, he takes two months off. He's not even the person that has the baby. He adopts a baby. He adopts two babies. Takes two months off. For what? I don't know. Two months off. I know women that have twins and they don't, get to, they don't take two months off. They, they get back to work because they got stuff to do. They, and and, they, and they, they want to work and they want to feed their kids. It's just amazing to me. So he's saying that it was this electronic break rule that the administration repealed. We're going to talk about this here coming up. He says, oh, well, we're constrained by law and some rail regulation. So he's trying to say that he has no and no power at all whatsoever to do anything. Absolutely false. And we're going to talk about this. Now, also coming up, Nikki Haley, who announced her presidency yesterday, she's called for a mental competency test for politicians over age 75. And I think that maybe hurt the feelings of a... Uh, 56 something year old uh, host on CNN who can't do the job by himself. So they have to pair him with a female co-host because he's not man enough to host a program on his own. So he has to have a co-host, Don Lemon. That's usually what that means. When they put you with someone, it means that you didn't rate well enough with test audiences to host a program by yourself. So they have to pair you with someone. And I've seen this happen at every cable news network out there. So he wasn't doing good enough on his own to maintain a singular host role. So they paired him with a younger woman who's who's doesn't have the experience in broadcasting that he does, but she's a younger woman. And I think he's bitter about it. And I think that's where all of this comes from. So he lashed out and said that Nikki Haley was past her prime and that women, basically when you turn 50 as a woman, then you're out, which means... Poppy Harlow goes, why, who was sitting there with him, goes, well, I guess that means I have a decade. I guess that means I have a decade, too. I got words about this coming up. We're going to talk about all of it. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 
best 4G and 5G networks, so you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So apparently about half of recent college graduates say they're not emotionally prepared for a nine to five job, according to a survey. Oh my gosh, I made of words. It's the Mary Christie Institute. They conducted this survey saying that they've 51% of young workers, they need help for mental health. People aren't just ready for the nine to five job. Oh my gosh, grow the hell up. Get over yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Go to work. Most, I mean, golly, humans are weak. We are weak now. We are a weak species. We deserve smod. Uh, Golden Boy producer for CNN's Jake Tapper is fired after an, a subordinate, an affair, with, well, along with a subordinate staffer, after an inappropriate relationship. Ooh. Federico Cordrani, a 10-year veteran of the network, was fired after details of the affair came to light. Uh, Cordrani was about to be cleared by HR in another investigation when evidence for this surfaced. This is a year after Jeff Zucker has left, so it seems like they got still some cleaning up to do. Uh, apparently, thousands of Iranian weapons were seized and now may be given to Ukraine. That's what the U.S. is looking to do with them anyway. A bunch of Ukraine, a bunch of Iranian weapons that have been seized. Uh, about 5,000 rifles, a bunch of rounds. Uh, apparently, uh, on, the, uh, on a ship in the Gulf of Oman on its way to Yemen. It's going to be apparently given to Ukrainians. So we uh, we have a whole bunch still to get into, including Don Lemon just gave Nikki Haley a boost. He may have bi- violated FEC donation rules now. <laughs> Folks, are you concerned about American K through 12 education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. All the talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that, I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 
20s, 30s, and 40s. I don't necessarily... 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not saying decade. I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. I think prime we need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for, like, childbearing? Yeah, or are you talking don't shoot about the message prime I'm just saying what the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home. Really? When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime. Oh, and oh, oh. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the program. Full disclosure, Don and I got the same agent. Mm. Feel like feel like I need to be sending a little message. Although I did, I tweeted about it, so that kind of you know doesn't 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 matter at that point. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. So let's uh, let's have a little chatty chat about this, shall we? Because this is if you want more feminism, this is how you get more feminism. Feminism was created by progressive betas like this, who talk out of their a double snakes like Don Lemon just did. That is why women began doing some of the stuff they were doing because of progressive dudes like this. Just that they created it. That's where it came from. First off, did they ever say this about Kamala Harris? Isn't she, how old is Kamala Harris? She's like 56 something years old, right? Kamala Harris is, she's in her 50s. Vice President of the United States. Do you think that Don Lemon, she's 58 years old. Do you think Don Lemon thinks that she's out of her prime? Out of curiosity, Hillary Clinton's in her later 70s. Is she out of her prime? Margaret Thatcher, when she became prime minister, she was 53 years old, two years older than Nikki Haley at 51. Was Margaret Thatcher, who was one of the most successful leaders, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to add the caveat of female leader. I'm not going to add an asterisk and act like it's JV. She was one of the most successful leaders. 53 years old, two years old than Nikki Haley. Was she out of her prime? I just, can I be very frank with you? I don't trust a gay man to sit here and make a determination as to whether or not a female is in her prime. Are you a biologist, Don? I don't know. I mean, we can't even determine what a woman is anymore, but we can go ahead and sit here on CNN and make proclamations about when women are in their prime. Don Lemon is 56 years old, and apparently he didn't rate well enough with test audiences to host a show all by himself, so they had to pair him with a younger female. So I think 56-year-old Don Lemon ought to be a hell of a lot more careful about judging whether or not women younger than him are are in their prime or not because I would not say the same of his career mm. so he just basically gave her, Nikki Haley a huge campaign donation that's what that was and I hate that I hate having to even talk about this this is what makes me I think the angriest because I believe that progressive men are sexist some of the in fact the entirety of of my experience with sexism has been from progressive men and their enablers, the progressive women who secretly really do like the dichotomy that that has long existed. They, they suck up and that's just kind of how it is. They make the sexist men happy by enabling the sexist men because they don't condemn it. And that's how, and then third wave happened. But I expect progressive men to be sexist. What I get angry about is the fact that this is, can I be very honest with you? This is a politician I'm not a major fan of. I've met her. She's very nice as a person. I don't really, I'm not crazy about her policies. Her, she on foreign policy, and she's been on the program and I've talked to her about this before. I'm not um, a major fan of her policies. And so I, 
and I don't know how strong her spine is. I don't. Um, I, I there's I I have some questions, and she's just not uh, someone that I would uh, that I'm super excited about running for the presidency. That said, what I what makes me angriest is that we're now continuing to talk about her campaign because Don Lemon kicked open a giant hole in the conversation, and now now it's news, and it's news because he's a sexist pig. And everybody's talking about it because he's a sexist. You know, I, I, and he doesn't get a pass because he's a gay dude. He doesn't get a pass because he's a black gay man on CNN. He's judging other women based on stereotypes that have no bearing in actual science. I don't even know what he thinks he's talking about. Oh, Pastor Prime. He doesn't even want to qualify it. But the whole reason that we're still talking about Nikki Haley's campaign is because Don Lemon now made that possible. He has given her such a boost in her campaign. I mean, I've seen people joking as to whether or not it could be considered. I I mean, I wonder if it actually exceeds the allowable legal threshold for in-kind campaign contributions or campaign contributions of any kind. I mean, that's telling you what. I I just kind of wonder. I got some questions. But I, I'm mad because now we gotta talk, we're talking about it because of what he said. And it's news. Damn you for making us do that. Man, we did not want to talk about this campaign. It is early. We're going into spring. We're going into spring of, not, of a non-election year. We still got Christmas before it really kicks into gear. And here you're doing this. Golly. It's almost like, is he a plant for her? I don't even know. Is he a plant for her? You just gave her million dollar video. She's going to fundraise off this forever. And you made it happen, Don Lemon. Damn you. Golly. So I don't know. That's why I'm mad. Because now no one can sit here and talk about her positions because this. And then people were saying, you know what? I wanted to play this too. Where's the, uh, we have this John Bolton audio. Now, can I be real? I'm not a fan of John Bolton either. I am not with John Bolton when it comes to foreign policy. But every now and then, broken clocks and all, right? So John Bolton, he comes out and he says that he was talking about the, uh, the nominations and all this stuff. And he had said that, that uh, Nikki Haley was running as VP and he got attacked saying that it was sexist. That's not sexist. Saying that she's running to audition for VP is a strategy that millions of other, not millions, but a ton of other candidates have used prior. That's not sexist. It's not sexist to say that. People who are saying that's sexist have no idea. They're probably the same people who say that a woman is a man because they clearly have no idea what the hell sexism is. That's not sexist to acknowledge that. She does not have a shot in hell at the presidency. I want you to know this. She's, I mean, a very nice woman. I've met her. She's come to my town I didn't attend them, but she's come to my town two different times to fundraise. I know people who have gone. I've seen the, the photos that they've shared on Facebook. I mean, she seems very nice. I've met her. She was at something that I had. A, I was at uh, like a conservative confab or something in D.C. when I was dragged out to D.C. to attend. And she seemed very nice, but I never really got to know her. Actually, you know where I saw her? It was at the TPUSA uh, women's event in Dallas, last year or the year before and it's all conservative women and i think i just 
happened to run into her backstage or something like that. I think it was the year before, and I said hello to her. And that was that was pretty much the extent. And she's been on the program before. And we kind of talked about Ukraine and got into it a little bit. But I just don't think that she's got a She doesn't have a shot at the presidency. Um, but John Bolton, what he said was not sexist. He also said this. Audio sound by 27. This is interesting. Listen to this. Uh, I, I wouldn't do this unless uh, I, I thought there was a serious chance. As I said, I did look at this in 2016, decided not to. Uh, but I, I think that uh, uh, it's extremely important that, uh, uh, that Trump not get the nomination. Uh, and I think Republicans see this overwhelmingly. I think many people are misreading the polls. I don't really think he has a chance at the nomination. Uh, unless the field gets too crowded. And I would certainly not be a part uh, of an overcrowded field if I thought that were an issue. I do think that there is something to that. No, again, I because I have to pay this penance. Uh, I don't I'm not a fan of Bolton on foreign policy. I'm not I'm tired of saying this. You guys know where I stand. And if people want to ignore nuance and eh, blank them. But I do think that he's makes he makes a good point here because he's talking about whether or not he thinks that there's Trump's chance at the nomination, I do think that it depends on how crowded the field is. If it's not a crowded field, I think that that is worse for him. If it's a crowded field and it dilutes the uh, amount of votes behind one other alternative candidate to him, then that makes it a lot harder for any other candidate to challenge him. I do think that that, that's a very good point. And I think that's true. I think that it will remain true going up until probably it's time for the caucuses and the primaries. But as I said, this situation with him, with with Lemon and this whole campaign thing, it's just it's it's it is I think it's ridiculous. And I can't stand that it's news now because and it does. And I said, I do think that it that it uh, helps her more than anything. I don't want him to be fired. Here's the other thing, because I see a lot of people saying that they want Don Lemon fired. I don't want Don Lemon fired. I am not about that. Like, fire him if he does something like truly, you know, women have been, women have heard stuff like this from progressive dudes. We hear it every damn day on Twitter from progressive dudes. We are used to it. We got a thick skin on this kind of stuff. We shouldn't. You know, I just, I I made, I mentioned earlier, and this is probably not like, you know, the Christian thing to say. Well, I know it's not, but I know some of you out there are like, why'd you put it out? Because I did, right? Because I ain't perfect. That's my one vice, okay? But I just I had said that I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, it's here you have a, it's always the old progressive dudes on cable news running down younger women who could literally beat their ass. It's always those guys like Don Lemon, you know, like him doing it. I don't want him fired, though. I don't want him fired. And I don't really think I think that the the whole Me Too movement was killed by the transgender movement. Me too has been killed by transgenderism because now we can't even define what a woman is. So can you really say a woman's been victimized if we don't even know what a woman is? Hmm, can you? I mean, think about it like this. If you're a guy in a gym and you ogle a woman and you, you know, try to hit on her or something, then you're the creep and she's the victim. But if you decide that you want to identify as a woman and follow her in the locker room and then pull your pants down and show her your slong then she's the bigot and you're the victim. Isn't that wild where society has placed us? That's where we are. So I don't think that he's, I don't think he'll be fired. And I think it's stupid if he's fired. But I do think that if he's, you know, any kind of a man at all, he would apologize and then move on. I just, the look on Poppy Harlow's face, I think Poppy Harlow and I are about the same age. 
And she's sitting there thinking she was just she did not know how to respond to this at all whatsoever. But I I definitely would have said, well, is that why they put you with a younger female co-host? Because you're out of your prime, Don. 56 year old male can't host a show by himself because it doesn't rate well. Mm. (laughs) Tears. Mm. All right. We have uh, more to get. I told you I was going to have some words. We have uh, more to get to as well, including, gosh, I have a bunch of wokery for you. The latest with East Palestine. Uh, immigration. We've got that. The latest on what's happening at that the transgender uh, the center at St. Louis Children's Hospital. They've issued a response. Wait until you hear this. We've got that and a whole bunch of other stuff as well for you. You don't want to miss. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members, and they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. With Social Security running out of money already, what are they trying to do? Come for your 401ks and IRAs. Are there plans to make your investments controlled by the government? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Mr. Brinton, do you still have a security clearance? Are you going to plead guilty today? Did you steal any luggage today? <laughs> who are you wearing? What are you, who are you wearing? Oh my gosh, that color. What is up with that maroon color? Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who's a dude. And he was saying, I don't understand why Kamala Harris wears that maroon color. And you see Sam Brenton. Remember, Sam Brenton was the deputy... Oh, gosh, I'm not even going to deputy dangerous materials handler, dude, that guy. He, he worked in he worked in nuclear waste for the love of all things holy. And he was the guy who just randomly would steal women's luggage, steal their luggage from the airports and run off with like ladies, dirty clothes like a freak. And he showed up for court and man, they were pelting him with questions and it was glorious. And he deserved them. Who are you wearing? I mean, it's hysterical. So he's the guy. He's the non-binary former Biden official. He's in Minneapolis. He was in court today in Minneapolis and or yesterday. And they said uh, the judge ordered his release without bail until April 17th. He's not allowed to contact his victims, you know, et cetera. And that's he was charged with stealing a woman's luggage worth over $2,000. And he faces up to five years in prison and a $10,000 fine as a result. Wow. Over five years in prison and a $10,000 fine because he stole $2,000 worth of luggage. What a nice trade there, mathematical genius. And then he's wearing that horrible 70s maroon color. Can we just go for, and it's a monochromatic suit. Can we just look for sidebar talk about his attire? 
What is up with people wearing this nasty color? It is a, This color does not look good on nobody. Nobody needs to be wearing that rusty maroon 70s red dirt color. Nobody needs to be wearing it. It didn't look good in the 70s, and it doesn't look good now. It doesn't matter if it's uh, the color of your polyester or your satin or your jersey or your tinsel. It doesn't matter what the material is. You look like trash in this color. Nobody looks good in this color. No one. Black people, white people, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your hair color, nothing. No one looks good in this color. Kill it. Kill the color. Kill it dead. Quit making attire out of this color. Gosh, I hate this color so bad. It is like a walking 70s nightmare. I'm expecting, you know, a, 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 a wide a zoom out and then a wide shot on the pants and they're like the horrid boot cut where it's super tailored and tapered right in at the calf and then it like all of a sudden explodes out where you don't quite understand if it's a bell bottom or a Copacabana pant. You just don't know. I have feelings about this. Of course he's wearing that color because he's a freak and he has no taste. He's just stealing random women's luggage. I love the questions. What are you wearing? Whose outfit? No, what are you, who are you wearing? No, I mean, not the designer, but whose suitcase did you steal that from? <laughs> Is it Nancy from Minneapolis? Is it Susan from Richmond? Who did you steal that from? Second hour on the way, folks. You don't want to miss a lot more of the show in store. Florida Man 2 coming up. Stick with us. That's ridiculous. How can you blame Trump for what's happening here? It's nobody's fault but Norfolk Southern. It's absurd. Um, only, only, only Pistol Pete could be that absurd. Trump hasn't been there for three years. <laughs> I mean, how can you blame somebody that hasn't been on the switch for three years? Mm, that's more from the residents there in uh, East Palestine, Ohio who are now having to deal with, I mean, I was looking at some of the actual pictures. Apparently there was, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not good. They're still dealing with the fallout over the derailment and a lot of questions remain. And uh, the treasury, treasury, transportation secretary, uh, new mom, former South Bend mayor, Poot Buttigieg says, it's not my fault. It's my Trump, but my Trump. Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour. Dana Lash here with you. It's craziness. I feel so bad for those people, and they are so not getting any kind of answers or sounds like real assistance either. We were telling you earlier that apparently they were being told that they had to sign these waivers and that just um, it it protected, gave immunity essentially to all of the alphabet agencies involved in this. But Trump's out there, but, but Buttigieg is out there blaming Trump, blaming the previous administration. It wasn't me. You guys removed the safety thing, whatever, and that's what did. Even if, let's just pretend that what he said was even remotely accurate. Even if he's the transportation secretary, why then did he not do anything about it as transportation secretary? It's his job. And that doesn't explain why they've been trying to have people you know, sign waivers and all this other stuff. There's a million, I just feel so bad for these people. You even had the governor, we played that uh, audio yesterday, DeWine out there saying that he, he drink bottled water. Good heavens. I'm telling you what, it's, they, they need to get a handle on this. And apparently the governor said that he had spoke with Norfolk Southern CEO and that uh, 
they're apparently trying to, they're working together, but good heavens. When you hear, they said that they, they keep getting told from some of these agencies, oh no, everything's okay, you can go back to your homes. But then they're seeing signs that it's not okay. And then you have other actual hazardous waste experts, etc., who are disputing what these agencies are saying to them. There's a lot of questions. Where's, uh, where's Al Gore at? Has anybody told him what's happened? He hasn't said anything about this. I'm wondering why. Why hasn't he said anything about it? Where are all of the environmentalists? Where are they? DeWine says that FEMA is denying assistance. I don't know if you've seen this piece. This was, came out this morning. Republican Governor uh, uh, Mike DeWine repeal, revealed that uh, Biden, the FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, is still refusing to offer assistance. 38 train cars. They said they're still refusing to offer assistance. They said the governor spoke with officials at the White House early this morning. He, uh, they produced a statement. It's from, uh, I want to make sure I always, I always, we always attribute, WKYC Channel 3. FEMA has told Governor DeWine that Ohio is not eligible for assistance at this time. The full statement that he released this morning, quote, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine spoke with officials at the White House early this morning to address the need for federal help. As a result of the conversation, the governor has requested assistance from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health and Emergency Response Team, and the CDC to provide on-the-ground on ground assistance in East Palestine. They said that the DeWine administration has been in contact with FEMA daily to discuss the need for federal support. However, FEMA continues to tell the governor that Ohio is ineligible for assistance at this time. What? And he tweeted about this as well. Why are they ineligible? Where in the world? I mean, they've, you've had hazardous materials experts, numerous. You had the EPA confirm that it was ethylene glycol monobutyl uh, and then uh, the vinyl hydrochloride, all of this other stuff that was in these rail cars. So they say, well, you know, there's, we're still working at this time, though. There was one hazardous waste material or hazardous material specialist who had said, quote, we basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. I was surprised when they quickly told the people they could go back home. If they want their homes tested, they could have them tested. Wow, you think they should have done that beforehand. There's a ton of people. John, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, an environmental health professor there, had said, you know, there could, if there's res- residual chemical emissions, there's still a danger then. But FEMA's MIA. Man, questions abound. Abs, that's just wild. And so, why, and this was just all this morning that DeWine, re- that Governor DeWine revealed all of this. Is this maybe why you can't, is this why uh, you got uh, Secretary Pete who won't go there? There's, I, this has been given such little attention. How many millions of pounds of toxic chemicals have been released in the air and then the soil and then the water at this point? This is kind of the same response that people saw in Colorado. The Gold King mine waste water spill. The Animus River between Silverton and Durango. It was a, just an absolute disaster. Turned the river toxic orange, a real orange color. 
And they're still dealing. I mean, good heavens. And the toll of this was wild. The The EPA knew that this, the blowout was possible and apparently nothing had been done. And you and, the, and it was like three million gallons of contaminate of contaminated uh, like heavy metals, arsenic, other stuff. And you didn't have cable news out there talking about it because that's the that, that's not what they if they can't, I guess, what sell solar panels, they're not going to talk about it. Man alive. And what so the the mayor of East Palestine so that he did take questions. He was there and he was taking questions from everybody at this town hall that apparently Norfolk Southern didn't even send a representative to nor did our administration. And the mayor was fielding all of it. And people were saying, well, where's where's the transportation secretary? You know, I mean, this is literally what he does. Where is he at? Maybe he's on leave again. You know, he takes government jets to go watch uh, sporting events in Europe. Maybe he's doing something like that. He refuses when he's off, according to FOIA requests, to meet with anybody regarding, you know, related to his job. He just thought he was going to be there as a cushy placeholder and didn't, wouldn't, wasn't going to actually have to do any of the work. So now... They, I mean, you had a giant, it looked like a mushroom cloud. I got to be real. That look, it was a giant toxic cloud that was over East Palestine, Ohio. And all of the people who normally, they freak out over the Keystone Pipeline and they make claims that aren't even accurate or true about that. Where were they for here? This is when you're actually having something go down. Is it, I don't know. This is wild to me. And I feel so bad for these people. They're just trying to get some answers. They're just, they just want answers. Now, some of the other stuff that we're looking at as well. <laughs> Did you see this piece? This is from the Wall Street Journal. I put this in your prep. If, for those of you who get the uh, radio show prep over at Substack, uh, chapter and verse, you, you, you'll have this here too. I was actually kind of shocked at all of this. I was just, wow. It's a Wall Street Journal piece, and they're telling people to not eat breakfast. I mean, literally. They're saying, to save money, maybe you should skip breakfast. And it has a picture of an elderly woman shopping for eggs. Not even kidding. And they talk about how breakfast staples have seen a sharp price increase. And so now maybe to save money, just, you know, starve peasants. Starve. Skip meals. CBO says the U.S. is going to add another $19 trillion to the deficit over the next decade. Inflation has risen by half a point for the month, 6.4% over the past 12 months, according to the Consumer Price Index data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics just earlier this week. Hmm. And their response is they want taxes raised and they think maybe just skip breakfast. That should maybe just do that. That's what you should be doing. Instead of them take the steps necessary. Holy cow. Now on top of this, this story came out of how people who enter the country illegally uh, apparently are getting paid more than Social Security recipients who have paid into the system for their entire lives. This is, this is true as well because remember, there's this uh, I don't want to say allowance. This I don't even want to say benefit. It's just money that the United States government is a part of one of these programs for people who enter illegally uh, for resettlement. It's like $2,125 a month in refugee benefits. 
and that is applicable to just even like people who enter illegally. Social Security recipients, they what, it's like 1400 a month. Meanwhile, the refugee benefits are $2,125 a month. I just feel like if people are struggling, then maybe they should just go and cross into Mexico and then hop back across the Rio and then maybe do that. It just seems like that should be the that should be the the way to go and get money apparently. I'm just it's just amazing to me. It's just it's amazing. I'm just uh, that one that article in the Wall Street Journal though was infuriating. And on top of it, you have this story. Still, this is uh, the NBC affiliate in St. Louis, KSDK. The St. Louis Transgender Center there said that it's not going to place a moratorium on the on puberty blocker medication for kids. Medication, Washington University. They said they would cooperate with the attorney general's investigations, and they reiterated the commitment in the letter that they sent out. But it's the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, and they said that they're not going to stop doing this puberty blocker stuff. The AG said there needs to be a moratorium on it, but they said, no, we're still just going to just jack kids up with hormones and all of this stuff. They, they said that a moratorium is denied critical standard-based care. It's not critical care. This isn't care. This is mutilation. That's what they're doing. This is mutilation. Washington University, and this was after a whistleblower who's a Bernie Sanders supporter, very far left, spoke out about what she saw and how troubled she was and how there was no accountability and and there's no oversight. Washington University said they would cooperate with the AG's investigation, but they said that they're not going to stop with the puberty blockers and everything else. And it's really just wild. I mean, they, 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 it, this is not gender-affirming treatment. You're talking about unnecessary medical surgery on healthy kids. And so much of this has to do with societal contagion, too. It really does. We talked about that yesterday. We have more in store. We have headlines on the way. Later on this hour, we'll also have Florida Man. And we have a whole bunch of stuff. Self-defense, the latest with East Palestine, and so much more. And uh, apparently, we're going to be hearing from the White House here. Uh, at least two. So we'll have all of that as it comes. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So a couple of things here. The lawsuit, if you, I'm sure you've heard of the Olaplex hair products. Well, apparently there's a lawsuit going forward uh, that claims that their hair products left customers with bald spots and damaged hair and there's apparently it's a big class action suit their ceo has spoken back hit back and they're going to court the plaintiffs are seeking seventy-five thousand dollars in damages and they say that it damaged their hair olaplex hasn't recalled any of its products this is just a interesting very interesting thing going forward here uh looking at this story new york city businesses are losing customers and revenue because people are working remotely workers coming into manhattan apparently spend uh, 12.4 billion less per year than they did previously before the pandemic yeah well you know maybe maybe those businesses should go to where the customers are and honestly considering all of the ridiculous restrictions and everything that they had during the yeah they deserve it during the pandemic people deserve what they vote for I mean, that's, you know, good. you couldn't even go into buildings in there. You couldn't even eat in the restaurants in there unless you showed that you had a completely non-functioning injection. It's just asinine. So this, uh, let me pull this up. 
16th study shows that ivermectin works in preventing the coronavirus. It's considered a gold standard RCT from a company that proves that it actually is effective in working against coronavirus. Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey says it's the 16th positive statistically significant controlled trial that finds ivermectin is highly effective in preventing, preventing, I know it treats definitely absolutely treats symptoms because I took it when I had it and it a thousand percent treated symptoms uh, but they said it reduces uh, IV they said Evermectin the RCT reduces 72 percent uh, the viral infections and they had they were looking at the efficacy it's a pretty huge it's a huge test uh, I'm going to make sure I put this in this link in your prep so you can your prep email for you subscribers so you can see it as well it's a very it's a good deep dive it's a very good deep dive but this is like the 16th one uh also this is uh world's largest outdoor skating rink was closed due to a lack of ice hmm interesting it's in ottawa the Rideau Rideau canal skateway the Rideau canal skateway excuse me in ottawa usually sees about a million visitors each year it's almost a five mile skateway but they've had trouble because apparently there is a lack of ice. They said that it's open to the public when the ice is 30 centimeters thick, about 12 inches. But they need a lot of days of consecutive cold weather. All the cold weather's been down here in Texas. That's Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Um, on the uh, train derailment in Ohio, uh, Secretary Buttigieg has gotten some criticism, uh, some of it, much of it in Ohio, some of it from Democrats and Republicans, who argue that he waited too long to respond and then he's, he's seemed to be fixated on trying to deflect blame to the previous administration. So does the president, is he satisfied with the, with the uh, government's response to this derailment? And is he, uh, does he have confidence in, do you yes, have confidence absolutely. in Yes, absolutely. I can answer that very quickly and very uh, with, with, with confidence from here that we do have uh, absolute confidence in, in Mayor Pete. Mm. She does have absolute confidence in Mayor Pete. She's I don't have confidence. Do you have confidence in Mayor Pete? Show hands. Nobody, nobody raised their hands. The one person in back. Shut up. No. Welcome back to the program. I can see you. I can see you through your car. Powerful like that. Dana Lash here. Can listen coast to coast. Also watch the simulcast on uh, YouTube, Facebook, through the first direct tv channel 349 all kinds of good stuff so so basically the and i wanted to address this and i was waiting for our longer segment to do so everybody keeps saying well the new talking point and this is what mayor poot's coming out with too well it's actually trump uh it's not me the actual transportation secretary and i had said prior even if that was accurate then you're the transportation secretary you had all this time to do something about it and you ain't done nothing I mean, nobody ever is, takes responsibility for something that happens on their watch. Trump pushed the train over himself and spilled all the vinyl chloride all over the tracks. Oh, my gosh. But they're saying, no, I, it's, this is what's, what's happening. He, he tweeted out, finally, that we're constrained by law in some areas of rail regulation. He tweeted, this is verbatim tweet. He said, like the breaking rule, B-R-A-K, breaking rule withdrawn by the Trump administration in 2018 because of a law passed by Congress. So we're using the powers that we have, you know, to make it safe. Okay, here's the problem. Um, this, because that's what everybody ran with. Fortune has the Trump rolls back train breaking rule. 
Uh, everybody has this train break. Everybody, and it's Trump's responsibility. It's the previous administration. Do you guys remember when I was telling you about this story and I had said that the video, when we were talking about the video in our first hour, and I was very in detail explaining that it had to do with this axle. A, in fact, it was, and this is all from local reports, and Juan has a video for the simulcast viewers. The video caught it like 20 miles ahead of going through East Palestine. And what, they, what the video shows is that apparently it, there was this sparks and on the rail and fire underneath because of a broken axle. Hmm. So I just want to restate this. It was because of this broken axle. Now, here's the issue. The claim about any braking rule, B-R-A-K, is completely separate from and irrelevant to this issue that had to do with A, a broken axle, and B, in fact, it was, it had to do with specifically oil tankers. So it wasn't, and this train was not an, it was not a, it wasn't carrying oil. It was an oil tanker. It wasn't, it wasn't carrying any oil. And that's what apparently this regulation from the Trump era specifically regulated. So I'm not quite sure what Buttigieg's point is here if the regulation and i and i also don't immediately default to this claim that all regulations are great either i mean we have regulations on what remember when the epa came out with regulations on how much phosphate you could put using your dishwasher and nobody got clean dishes and i railed on this for like a year yeah not every regulation is amazing democrats will always present it as being the most amazing thing ever because they love government regulating every aspect of your life but in sometimes regulations are stupid and actually cause danger rather than prevent it but even if the regulation was so amazing again Buttigieg has the authority as the secretary of the department of transportation to restate it even if it meant he, he and his party would have to go to court over it. He's still what? So you're telling me that he doesn't have the ability, that agency doesn't have the ability to restate it, but the CDC has the ability to sit here and tell people they don't have to pay their rent? Are you kidding me? All of a sudden now they, oh, well, we're not going to overstep our authority. But they've done this with like the CDC. They've done it with how many different agencies have they had here that where they've done this with? It's because they don't know what the hell they're doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's why. He has no clue what he's doing. So he's trying to deflect blame. He's tr- he wants to deflect blame. That's it. And it's still, you, you still have no proof that it was an absence of regulation that contributed to this. I mean, I hate this idea that, well, government regulations solve all the problems. They actually don't. So here's this is this is the issue with that whole that claim is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. You want to talk about government regulations? Do we can you get me this uh it's oh, what audio is this? Let me look, let me look, let me look. You probably even know where I'm going with it. It's uh the Richard Trumpka audio soundbite 12. It's also video. So Richard Trumpka Jr. 
named after his dad, Richard Trumka, AFL-CIO, who was no friend of the Tea Party back in the day. You all might remember that. He's Again, he's talking about banning gas stoves, more regulations. But I thought that this was all a conspiracy theory. Remember when they spent an entire week telling us that we all made this up? Well, here is literally the guy, Nepo Baby. He's a giant Nepo Baby. He's the Consumer Product Safety Commissioner wanting to ban stoves. Listen to this. That's why I think we need to be talking about regulating gas stoves, whether that's drastically improving emissions or banning gas stoves entirely. And I think we ought to keep that possibility of a ban in mind as as you follow along, because it's a powerful tool in our toolbox and it's a real possibility here. That Nepo baby can keep his damn hands off my stove. Remember, they told us that this was all this was all a conspiracy theory. This was all conspiracy theory, that you people were nuts. This was a right-wing thing. You guys are nuts for thinking that they wanted to do this. But yet here's the guy who's the Consumer Product Safety Commissioner, Nepo baby Richard Trumka Jr., saying that it's a real possibility to ban gas stoves. Again, another regulation. Democrats think that, they can, that government is always the answer. Uncle Sam's going to save the day. But that's not necessarily true. No, this, I was looking at the video of this Norfolk, Norfolk Southern train, this, this thing on fire. And they had that 20 miles ahead. You could see it's on fire. And they, they attributed it to these, this busted axle. And yet Pete Buttigieg is trying to deflect away from any kind of blame by saying that well, it's because uh, it's Trump's fault. I mean, I just don't know what else to say. It's all Trump's fault. Mm-mm-mm. Now, I have a couple of other things that I wanted to get into here. I'm moving stuff around. I apologize, Juan. Juan's like probably like, stop it. I'm like literally just moving things around. So yesterday, we touched on this in headlines, how now health agencies are trying to say that we need to replace harmful terminology more regulations, by the way, you know, because regulations are so good, aren't they, folks? Woke scientists are now trying to say we need to, to talk about women like they're chickens. Not kidding. Egg producing. Replace female with egg producing. Well, what if you're a woman who had her ovaries out? Isn't that exclusive terminology? Just wondering. They also say the term morbidly obese should be ditched. In favor of what? I am full of suggestions. In favor of what? They want to make language less offensive. I, this is so dumb. So you can't use the term like a blind test or double blind. You can't use that. That's mean. Uh, you can't say feminized or masculine. Man or woman. They, they I can't. You can't even use the term survival of the fittest. Darwin is dying. Crazy. Can't use the term gender. You can't just, this is, it's double plus ungood. The revolution is complete when the language is perfect. We are living, it's not a simulation. It's the real deal. And so it's called the EEB language project. It's a bunch of stupidity. I think people like this should be publicly mocked. That's the study from these scientists, University of British Columbia in Vancouver. And they're saying, yes, it's, we need to champion inclusive language. How about we just champion science and quit getting upset over dumb phrasing? 
I mean, it's I, I can't tell you how tired I am of it. Everyone immediately wants to take offense and be offended. Everybody always wants to be offended. It's so I'm so done with it. I'm just it's really frustrating. And they said, yes, you have to talk about women like they're like they're chickens. So instead of sperm producing and egg producing, you have to say uh, basically say egg egg producing like a chicken. We're hens, I guess. Oh, wait, is that assuming the chicken's gender or something? Is that are they going to get all upset over that, too? Just waiting. What? What? It's a new day. What are they going to get upset about today? Oh, my gosh. And then the FDA announced, I'm pulling this up, yesterday, or actually a couple of days ago, they said the FDA announced that we're proposing a change from time-based deferrals to assessing blood donor eligibility using gender-inclusive individual risk-based questions to reduce the risk of transfusion-transmitted HIV. So safety's at the end of the line because wokery comes before safety. That's in, that's why what? So yay! I mean, who? We're just going to go on the honor system for everything. No one ever, no one ever falsely claims anything. We'll just use the honor system. And then one last thing of wokery. Actually, I should probably wait on this. Remember the the audio that we played yesterday? The Arkansas lawmaker who asked this this trans pharmacist a guy who identifies as a woman who asked him whether or not he still had a penis during the hearing and the trans pharmacist was so offended and could not believe and i just that's so inappropriate well i mean we uh went over that but then yet last night video emerged of him being asked that same question by a progressive and he was totally happy like two days before to discuss it interesting it's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Uh, let's see. A couple of uh, stories here. This was kind of a crazy one. Let me pull this up. because I It's a little bit older, but I've never seen it before, so it's new to me. It's from New York Post. And it's uh, the headline is, Alligator with a knife in its head found in a Florida pond. And it, they had to euthanize it, but... It was an alligator with a huge knife right in its head. Uh, it was scaring passerby. It was spotted swimming in a pond. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said they were notified about it. They said photos, you know, showed this. It was on Click Orlando. It said they had photos showing this this reptile with the knife out of its head circulated on social media. It was in a pond. Now, I immediately thought, do you become like the queen or king of Florida, if you pull the knife out of the alligator's head? Is this like ex-alligator? I'm curious because it very much is. I mean, if you can get the alligator, you can get the knife out. Well, now it's it's been euthanized. They said this it was really severely injured. Bless his little heart. I know it's an alligator, but, you know. Uh, they said that there was a similar uh, incident like this in texas in 2019 there was an alligator that had a, st- a steak knife protruding from its head and it was in pumpkin lake in sugarland sugarland texas and they had to get it they had to euthanize that so that's kind of sad but it is ex alligator though i'm just saying just it seems hmm. uh, a couple of other <sighs> this is kind of a wild story a wife and a boyfriend were charged in a murder for hire scheme of her husband this is in Santa Rosa. Uh, and there was 
she confided this Florida woman conspired with this other man, Florida man, to kill whom they called Lil Man, who also is a man from Florida man. And apparently she shot him in April of 2022 originally. Their wife had been released on bond. She was booked again in Santa Rosa jail for violating a domestic violence. Because see, women can be domestic abusers. She had been uh, booked again in Santa Rosa jail for violating the domestic violence injunction against contacting her husband. She apparently was talking to somebody in jail about getting her husband killed, said Sheriff Bob Johnson. He said that a narcotics confidential information, some of the information made controlled calls. Uh, They said that her husband, uh, she didn't seem too upset. She met her, she had met the love of her life. Jail records show she was charged December 12th, a felony conditional release violation. So she apparently did like planned all of this when she was in prison the first time. Now she's back in prison because she killed her husband. This is crazy. This, uh, a couple of other ones. A Miami woman was charged with uh, COVID relief fraud. She was using the funds on purchasing designer shoes in a Bentley. Daniela Rendon, 31, made her appearance in federal court today after she was charged, or sorry, Thursday of last week, after she was charged with seven counts of wire fraud, two counts of money laundering, and one count of aggravated identity theft, according to the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Florida. So she's, she lied to get the relief loan, then she spent the money on everything. Oh, designer shoes, cosmetic procedures, a Bentley, all kinds of stuff. Oh, and then she also... Uh, she enrolled with a payroll processor to re- to issue fraudulent payroll checks for herself. That's how she did it. So she faces up to 20 years in prison. That's our tax dollars. That's our tax dollars. This is wild. Uh, also, I won some of these. I You know, I can't. There was a Florida man who was charged with mail theft in Florida as part of a joint investigation. Mail theft. He had the master key somehow. So... He was arrested and charged because it's felony and then also fleeing and eluding and reckless driving, according to St. John's County Sheriff. Uh, They had worked with U.S. Postal Inspection Service and Darren Simmons, 28, charged with unlawful possession of personal identification of other people. You can't do that. That's all felonies, folks. Weirdest crimes. All right. Stay with us. Third hour on the way. Senator Scott's bottom line is he said we're reducing the deficit at the same time. We're giving, we're, and we're getting seniors a fair price. Somehow that's costing the government. He's a little confused. Um, is he talking about himself being a little confused? I'm curious. The, uh, that's the president of the United States kind of mumbling there about the deficit. Welcome back to the program, top of our third hour. Now, he is expected to speak um, here very shortly on the flying objects. So we're going to take that when he does, just because these are things that I need to know to talk to you about, and you probably want to know them as well. So we will need to take that. Uh, but we'll let you know when it, uh, he's actually, he was at Walter Reed doing, giving his physical today. He had a physical today. So we'll see. But, um, hmm. The, what, I mean, I, what I, nobody knows, I think what he's going to say about it, because we had, we talked to Josh Hawley yesterday. And even after a classified Senate briefing, it seemed like they didn't really know what to say about it either. It was just that he didn't really have any more, any further clarity or any updates. So just kind of bizarre, really bizarre. All right. So as uh, we are awaiting that, we're still following a number of other stories too. the ongoing leak out of East Palestine. Just insane. The lack of response. They had this 
town hall yesterday. And the town hall yesterday evening, thousands of people showed up. And it is, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, I feel really bad for the people who are there. I feel bad for the people who live in the radius and, and, and are affected by this because they have had so, I mean, they've been told to evacuate and then it's safe to come back, but it not, may not be safe. I mean, you have the governor saying he's going to drink bottled water. And then he said earlier that the, uh, he had reached out because they were trying to have FEMA help out and FEMA said no. FEMA declined. They said no, it's not it's not at uh not eligible at this point was what they had said. Pretty mind-blowing stuff. And so there I mean there's a lot of questions that residents have. They've apparently Norfolk Southern has been asking people to sign waivers. Uh, or the alphabet agencies have been asking people to sign waivers and it doesn't really seem uh, as though there's a lot of protection there for the people who are dealing with this. I mean, they've had, we've had uh, audio of this before. I wanted to play uh, one. I know we've played it, but I'm just shocked by this audio soundbite six. This is a business owner, by the way, this is one of like a ton of people who have come out and said that they were asked to sign these waivers from by these agencies who have been monitoring air or like testing the soil or anything near their near on their property they were having these asking these people to sign waivers listen to this sure so what i can tell you is that um we would like to have independent testing done and um uh, the the people at norfolk had suggested that they were going to offer services by an independent testing company to do uh, air and water testing for us um, when these people came to our property, uh, the company was called CTEH. Uh, I call it CTEC. And um, they had approached our property, came to our, our driveway, and said, You know, we're here to test the water and soil. And I said, Okay, so you guys are independent from Norfolk. And they said, Well, not exactly. So then they handed us a contract. Um, the contract stated that essentially uh, Norfolk or any of its affiliates, you know, were going to be. Uh, you know, encroaching on the property, they were going to be doing the testing, um, and that it was essentially a hold harmless agreement. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but what I can tell you is that uh, I did not want to risk um, anything for my future, the future of the business, uh, by signing this contract. Uh, EPA was also there, um, and we had asked, uh, Chris specifically had asked EPA if they could come in by themselves or without signing of any agreements, and they denied that. Wow. Yeah, do not sign any waivers. I wouldn't. There was an interesting story that was out. This was uh, back in 2005, and it had to do with Norfolk Southern. It came from the Augusta Chronicle, uh, Graniteville. And it said there, after this one uh, individual had been displaced from his home, they said that the railroad was asking residents to sign settlement agreements as they were let back. This was back in 2005. 5,400 people were evacuated because of a spill. And they were asking people to sign settlements. And a lot of people were very hesitant to do that because that just means you're there's that's they're basically it's a liability waiver. I mean, this is wild. They people should not sign anything. Good heavens! But that's the kind of the problem, right? Because you have individuals who are, you know, you you're they've been displaced through no fault of their own, and then they're going back into their homes, and the people who are testing, according to that business owner and many others. 
people who have been testing for their uh, their water and their soil. They're I mean, it's 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 hectic. It's confusing. A lot of them have kids. They're just they're just trying to get back to day to day. And then on top of it, they have these documents shoved in their face and they're told to sign before anything is tested. So apparently it's a it's a company that the way that I understand it, it's a company that was hired by Nor Norfolk Southern to do this testing. So I to me, that's suspicious because it just it's I mean, to me, I would interpret that as well. It seems like they're they don't want any kind of responsibility or liability. So they're trying to let themselves off the hook. So I don't know. I just I and there in the meantime, FEMA's MIA and their folks are just wanting to get their kids back to school and uh, wanting to get back into their homes and get back to their lives. I mean, the president hasn't really said anything about it. And uh, Pete Buttigieg, the only thing he's really said is to blame Trump. And it's not even something you can blame Trump for because it was a broken axle and it has nothing to do with a breaking regulation, which there's no evidence at all whatsoever that it was a breaking regulation that had to that even had to do with this. I mean, it was a broken axle for crying out loud. And there's video. Now, the president is speaking now. He's giving an update on these flying objects. We're going to take this live and in progress so we can hear what he's got to say, too. And we're going to rejoin. I spoke personally with Prime Minister Trudeau and Camp from Canada on Saturday. And just as critically, we acted out of an abundance of caution and an opportunity that allowed us to take down these, these objects safely. Our military and the Canadian military are seeking to recover the debris so we can learn more about these three objects. Our intelligence community is still assessing all three incidences. They're reporting to me daily and will continue their urgent efforts to do so, and I will communicate that to the Congress. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were, but nothing, nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other, any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. When I came into office, I instructed our intelligence community to take a broad look at the phenomenon of unidentified aerial objects. We know that a range of entities, including countries, companies, and research organizations, operate objects at altitudes for purposes that are not nefarious, including legitimate scientific research. I want to be clear. We don't have any evidence that there has been a sudden increase in the number of objects in the sky. We're now just seeing more of them partially because the steps we've taken to increase our radars, to narrow our radars. And we have to keep adapting our approach to uh, delaying, to dealing with these challenges. That's why I've directed my team to come back to me with sharper rules for how we will deal with these unidentified objects moving forward, distinguishing, distinguishing between those that are likely to pose safety and security risks that necessitate action and those that do not. But make no mistake, if any object presents a threat to the safety and security of the American people, I will take it down. I'll be sharing with Congress these classified policy parameters when they are completed, and uh, they'll remain classified so we don't give our roadmap to our enemies to try to evade our defenses. Going forward, these parameters will guide what actions we'll take while responding to unmanned and unidentified aerial objects. We're going to keep adapting them as the challenges evolve, if it evolves. In addition, we've directed my national security advisor 
to lead a government-wide effort to make sure we are positioned to deal safely and effectively with the objects in our airspace. First, we will establish a better inventory of unmanned airborne objects in space above the United States airspace and make sure that inventory is accessible and up to date. Second, we'll implement further measures to improve our capacity to detect unmanned objective, uh, objects in our airspace. Third, we'll update the rules and regulations for launching and maintaining unmanned objects in the skies above the United States of America. And fourth, my Secretary of State will lead an effort to help establish a global, a global, common global norms in this largely unregulated space. These steps will lead to safer and more secure skies for our air travelers, our military, our scientists, and for people on the ground as well. That's my job as your President Commander-in-Chief. As the events of the previous days have shown, will always act to protect the interest of the American people and the security of the American people. Since I came to office, we've developed the ability to identify, track, and study high-altitude surveillance balloons connected with the Chinese military. When one of these high-altitude surveillance balloons entered our airspace over the continental United States earlier in the month, I gave the order to shoot it down as soon as it would be safe to do so. The military advised against shooting it down over land because of the sheer size of it. It was the size of multiple school buses and opposed a risk to people on the ground if it was shot down where people lived. Instead, we tracked it closely, we analyzed its capabilities, and we learned more about how it operates. And because we knew its path, we were able to protect sensitive sites against collection. We waited until it was safely over water, which would not only protect civilians, but also enable us to recover substantial components for further, analysts, for, for, for further analytics. And then we shot it down, sending a clear message, clear message, the violation of our sovereignty is unacceptable. We'll act to protect our country, and we did. Now, this past Friday, we put restrictions on six firms that directly support the People's Republic Liberation Army, the People's, Lib the People's Liberation Army Aerospace Program that includes airships and balloons uh, denying them access to U.S. technology. We briefed our diplomatic partners and our allies around the world, and we know about China's program and where their balloons have flown. Some of them have also raised their concerns directly with China. Our exports have lifted components of the Chinese balloons payload off the ocean floor. We're analyzing them as I speak, and what we learn will strengthen our capabilities. Now, we'll also continue to engage with China, as we have throughout the past two weeks. As I've said since the beginning of my administration, we seek competition, not conflict with China. We're not looking for a new Cold War, but I make no apologize. I make no apologies, and we will compete. And we'll, be res we'll responsibly manage that competition so that it doesn't veer into conflict. This episode underscores the importance of maintaining open lines of communication between our diplomats and our military professionals. Our diplomats will be engaging further, and I will remain in communication with President Xi. I'm grateful for the work of the last several weeks of our intelligence, diplomatic, and military professionals who have proved once again to be the most capable in the world. And I want to thank you all. Now, look, the other thing I want to point out is that we are going to keep 
our allies and the Congress contemporaneously informed so of all the we president know right now delivering some remarks and, on uh, these objects that they had found. We're going to bring you any other sound bites that come from this. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So Jim Jordan has subpoenaed big tech executives over collusion with Democrats in the government. We're going to see whether or not that happens. This is part of the uh, his, his chair of House Judiciary Committee and also looking at the House Weaponization uh, Subcommittee, uh, too. So that'll be incredibly interesting to watch. Uh, also, in addition, uh, well, separately, Black Hawk helicopter crashed near a highway in Alabama, killing two crew members. It was from the Tennessee National Guard, crashed, crashed Wednesday in Alabama, killing two crew members, according to the Guard. They said they were saddened by the loss of these guardsmen. Their prayers are with their families during the tragedy. Uh, sad news indeed. Uh, BBC says Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky tells the BBC he's not going to concede territory in any peace deal. He says that Russia would keep coming back. And as a result, they're not going to. This is I, he's particularly talking about the contested Donbass region. So hmm. uh, also the uh, U.S. downed an Iranian military drone near a base in Syria. This coming from the Associated Press, U.S. forces shot down an Iranian-made drone that was going flying over a base housing troops in northeastern Syria. Uh, this comes after the almost eight-magnitude earthquake in Turkey and Syria as well. Uh, also, a couple of others that we have here. The uh, We told you earlier the CBO says the United States is going to add $19 trillion to the deficit over the next decade. Joe Biden claims that food prices are down. They're actually up by almost 12%, by the way. Uh, But he insisted that food prices at the grocery store are coming down. But yet, in fact, what is shown over the consumer price index that uh, everything, all staples are up. The price of items rose 0.5% since just the beginning of this year alone. And they've gone up over 10% over the past 12 months. We have more in store. This weird press conference that Biden gave. It's not helpful to him or anybody. Stay with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. Sir, sir, the question, was it, there's been, sir, there's been criticism, there's been criticism that this was, there's been criticism that this, sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism, Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You come my off and ask the question, we have more polite people. Man, that was a horrible way to end that press conference. Golly. Welcome back to the program. It's Dana Lash here with you, the bottom of our third hour. And wild. So he came out. He shuffles out. uh, Doesn't, you know, offer some vagary. And then goes back, shuffles off. I mean, I he didn't really say anything of. Uh, I think I mean what it, what what was the thing that he, there was like one thing that he stated that I kind of raised an eyebrow at. They were giving the impression that the that we don't apparently we own the night. We can't identify whether something is a weather balloon or a personal or a drone for recreational use or a commercial drone. We can't tell that apart from a, from spycraft. 
I mean, I've got, we have more of this, uh, don't we? I think we had like, do we have a, give me a, some of his, well, if we have that, some of his remarks on that, because that was pretty wild. There was one, I think, that came out. Uh, it, just, it, just, it just kind of a, amazing to me. And then as he's leaving, the press is asking him these questions. He was asked by a reporter if he is compromised. And that's when he said, give me a break, man, give me a break. And he, you know, kind of lashes out a little bit at that reporter because they were at, they asked, are you compromised by your family's business relations in China? And then that's what you heard with that exchange there. That was kind of a disastrous um, press conference. I don't see how that was good. I don't see how that was good for him at all. Did we, I don't think we ever, we learned anything new either. So good heavens. So I'm I've I've got questions. And then you had this from Corinne Jean Pierre, if we can play this, because she was asked as to whether or not uh when Biden was made aware of when the first spy balloon entered our airspace. Listen. From you, when did the U.S. first begin tracking the balloon? Was it when it first took off from Hainan Island? So that's a good question. I know that uh, the Pentagon has answered, uh, kind of uh, answered that before, actually laid out a timeline of when that all occurred. I don't have that in front of me to share with all of you, so I would point you to the Pentagon. Uh, and so, again, they've had detailed uh, information on the tracking of, of the balloon and when it was first, uh, uh, when it was first, I guess, seen or visible to them uh, and also laid out when the president uh, was uh, was informed. I just don't have that to, to it's, it's in great detail. I just don't have that in front of me at this time. Good heavens. I just don't know. I just don't have that. I don't have it in front of me. It doesn't seem like he I talked about this with Senator Josh Hawley yesterday. It just doesn't seem like Biden. Uh, I mean, if they were watching this when it took off from Hainan Island and then it they watched the first spy craft float over the ocean and then you know why he couldn't take questions because people would ask him why didn't you give the order to shoot it down over the pacific why did you wait for this thing to go and traverse mainland united states why did you wait till it was all the way over in myrtle beach before you did anything he can't answer that question or they would have asked him well when were you first notified about this he couldn't answer that question either so he wouldn't what's he gonna say what is he gonna say there's nothing he could say so that's why he can't answer any questions on this his first time speaking about it. How many days has this been? His first time even speaking about it. He's so behind the news cycle. That did not answer any questions. It did not calm any concerns that people may have had. And then he gets hostile with members of, oh, give me a break. Come by my office and people will be more polite. Good grief. Maybe if you'd answer questions and wouldn't stop hiding from the press, then maybe, you know, people wouldn't feel as though, you know, they have to they have to be aggressive in asking questions because he just doesn't he doesn't provide any answers. His spokesperson doesn't help for sure. And then you have I've got more a couple of little if we can get some of uh, the cuts from him, uh, because there were a couple there that I thought were that I, I thought were kind of interesting. But. And we'll get those as we as we have them. So he says, yeah, he tells the press, give me a break. I kind of think the one and I was I, I was wondering this because I just, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this idea that our government can't tell the difference between from spycraft to private recreational commercial drone. 
And the one that was shot down near Dead Horse, that one was said to have been traveling very, very slow. I think that probably was also spycraft, and they just don't want to say it. They just don't. They just don't. They don't want to talk about it. There's another derailment apparently in Van Buren, Michigan. Emergency crews are responding to a massive train derailment outside of Detroit, Michigan, small town of Van Buren Township. So you've had one in South Carolina, one in Houston, and now you got one in, in uh, Van Buren Township in Michigan. So that's four derailments. Now, look, I will say this. There are frequent derailments. Let's be honest about it. There are. There always have been. This is not something that's new. This is one of the reasons why they wanted to build Keystone Pipeline. So let's not, let's look at this in the proper context. They wanted to build the Keystone XL pipeline because they wanted a safer way to train, a safer and faster way, more efficient, to transport crude from where it's extracted to where it needs to go in order to be distributed. And the pipeline was the best way to do it. And it was the most environmentally friendly. There was no, there was not going to be any kind of, it's, it's, I think the accusations that were against it were the dumbest I've ever heard. And all the people that were mad about this, not a single one of these grifters are saying a damn thing about all the train derailments with the hazardous material. And that's because there are, you have like, what, 1,700 something a year, I think. I mean, there's, it's a, almost an unbelievable number. But I think one of the reasons why it seems like, oh, my gosh, they're happening all the time right now is just because now you're noticing it. Now you're paying attention to it because what made the one outside of East Palestine unique and more and, and not that they're not newsworthy, but what made this one more of a consideration in the news is because of the chemicals and how much of those chemicals it was carrying. And the last derailment involving a spill of that, that vinyl chlor- hydrochloride wasn't the last one I think was in uh, 2012 in New Jersey. So that's why that has has gotten as much, uh, well, I mean, it should get more. That's why a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, and obviously the lack of attention from FEMA, and, you know, et cetera. So now because that's in the news and people are looking at the disastrous way that this is being, that this is being handled and, you know, how all the questions from these residents haven't been answered, now you're paying attention to other similar situations like the one that just happened a couple hours ago now in Van Buren Township outside of Detroit, Michigan. There was one car carrying hazardous materials in this derailment. And the cause has not immediately been made clear. Uh, and then and then apparently and then there's I know a chemical something that's on plant on fire in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. So that's I, I will say there is kind of a perspective to have for that. Um, however, that does not mean the one that was in East Palestine is in any way diminished in severity. I mean, it's unusual because of the amount, the, the type of chemicals and the amount of those chemicals that were present in those rail cars. That's why it's unique and definitely, you know, an ecological disaster here. So these other ones, while it's all still bad, it that's why, again, why people were so outraged that so-called environmentalists were fighting the Keystone Pipeline. I just, I think anybody who opposed that's a fake environmentalist. Absolute fake grifter environmentalist because it's this, they, they think that it's safer to transport this stuff on rail cars. Have you seen how many derailments we have annually? Just in the past week, just because you're noticing them. 
This isn't this this happens previously. You're noticing them now. That's why people wanted the pipeline. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. A lot of those people, too, who were those environmental grifters out there, they don't know jack crap about the environment. They don't know anything about oil production or extraction or transportation of it or refinement. They don't know anything about that. They just hop on because they're scenesters. They hop on to what they think is a protest movement. It's like PCU with Jeremy Piven, which is an old 80s movie that I think should be required viewing for every person living. And it mocked woke culture before there was a woke culture. And they would, they, there were always these scenesters that had these protest signs with them 24-7 and they would uh, find different things to protest because they always had to be this victim. They always had to be part of this victim mentality. So uh, this is, I, I hate to say it, you know, kind of, I mean, it's not uncommon to have derailments like this. It, I mean, it really isn't. Government, and that's still even with all of these that's you know doesn't it, it it that's that's still government regulation doesn't fix everything so a few other things don lemon tweeted just a little bit ago quote the reference i made to a woman's prime this morning when he was talking about nikki haley was inartful and irrelevant as colleagues and loved ones have pointed out and i regret it a woman's age doesn't define her either personally or professionally i have countless women in my life who prove that every day so that's what he has tweeted out. Man, you know he has been getting an earful. An earful. So I'm, I'm, I feel like there is something that's kind of missing here. First off, I mean, can he even define what a woman is? Because I thought we can't define what women are. I mean, is he a biologist? Also, he didn't actually say her name. I mean, he's, he didn't actually... I think he should have apologized to her and not just generally about her in the situation. And I don't say this is, I mean, and again, I, I, because nuance is dead and drive-bys are stupid. I, 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 I don't even, I'm not even a fan of her policies with foreign policy, but I just hate the fact that this, he just gave her like an in-kind political donation with us. This was an inartful and irrelevant. It was stupid. Inartful and irrelevant. Can I just break this apart for a moment? Indulge me. He says that it was inartful and irrelevant, as though it was still somewhat valid. I mean, he didn't say that his, his statement was incorrect. He didn't say that he was wrong to say that. He said that it was inartful and irrelevant. So he's not even apologizing. He's simply saying that he's correct, but he didn't say it in an artful way. That's, this is not an apology. And then he says a woman's age doesn't define her personally or professionally. This is not an apology. He's just, he is simply saying that the way that he stated what he stated was uh, not artful. It, it wasn't the art. There's no art there. It was just wrong. Completely wrong. <sighs> We have uh, more on the way. We have today in Stupidity coming as well. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. For him, it's going to be the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. Does he think DeSantis jumps in? DeSantis 
doesn't need to. He, I envision him as our president someday, mm. but but not right now. Everybody I speak with in Florida, they all love him, and he does set the tone for. This. I'd say every other governor in the nation. I think he's oh our my best gosh. governor. And I'm done and, already with it. I don't dislike her. I just I just don't care to. Hear, I just don't. I don't know why she. First off, why even ask her? Like, why even ask her? I think that you need to win a national race before you decide to start, you know, telling someone else that they can't or cannot enter a national race. She had said that he's young and he needs to wait. He was her age. She was the same age as he was when she was running as VP with John McCain back in 2008. So what what are they talking about? Like, I, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lesh here. That was Sarah Palin who was asked about 2024. And I think she just kind of stumbled in. I, I, that was not her best moment. And like I said, I don't... I, first off, you have to strike when the iron is hot. I don't even know what... I mean, he seems like he's fine doing Florida. But I'm just saying that a lot of this comes down to timing also. And it comes down to you have to... Like Nikki Haley, I think her time has passed. I think she's trying to recreate it with a lot of like books. And she tried to keep her name out there and uh, so that she could... Uh, make this run but I don't I think that her time has passed I think that uh, the same thing happened with you know Jeb Bush his time had passed uh, there's this uh, there's more there too but you like I said you have to kind of go in the it's timing you have to strike when the iron's hot and who knows what that who knows what that's like I would say if I were advising him I would say no I wouldn't wait I wouldn't Florida's a strong red state. He's done a good job. But you also have to realize, too, that that's voters, that he's given voters something to vote for. And voters have very eagerly showed up to vote for policies that benefit them and benefit their kids and 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 benefit their community. And it's showing. That's why, I mean, they are so red, it's ridiculous. Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, I mean, it's nuts. So, yeah, I just don't, I don't know why she has to be asked. Why? Nobody, nobody asked. Nobody. All right. Make sure you go and sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. I'll have a couple of things out there coming at you. And, and uh, some of the things that I had in my prep that I want, I want to make sure that I include in that subscriber rate, daily radio prep email. All right. Today in Stupidity. Steve did a lot of work on this audio. I did. So there was a, a press conference with uh, Ron DeSantis yesterday. And uh, like a lot, you know, they do a live stream on YouTube before it starts. You have to wait. So uh, you, apparently the mic was still on. So here, here's what's... Came like a pan, you know, starting at the fan, pan down. You're hired. <laughs> you can do the next film on that. Uh, now, my job here is to ask the tough questions and make him uncomfortable, I guess. Good. You, you go for it. I'm going to try. No, good try. Make it, the, the point is that you're supposed to ask questions to get answers, not to try to make somebody uncomfortable. But it didn't go out well for that reporter. And always assume that every mic is hot. Every mic is hot. That's how you are to treat every mic that like it's hot. And whenever around you're a reporter, a reporter with the phone, you just assume they're recording you. Just that's how you got to do it. Folks, that does it for us today. I will be back behind the mic with you tomorrow to finish out the week. Have a great night. Back with you then.